God bless all of you. So good to see you here this evening. Amen. I guess it was the will of God for us to be here. <clears throat> they said, Lord willing, we'll be here tomorrow. We're here. Amen. <laughs> Let's all stand. <clears throat> God has awesome things in store for each and every one of us tonight. Maybe even me. Amen. I'm looking forward to what God has in store for us tonight. Let's call out to Him. Let's, uh, let's dedicate this service to Him. We're seeking His will. We're, we want to see what He wants to do in this place today. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a mighty King. You're worthy of worship. You're worthy of praise. You're worthy to receive all glory and all honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is Your service tonight. We are Your people, Your servants, blood-bought, we have been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are not our own. Hallelujah, Jesus. We submit ourselves to You in this place this evening. We give ourselves wholly and completely to the Lord our God to accomplish His will, to move Your kingdom forward. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're seeking Your will. We're seeking Your direction for the service tonight. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that You would be sovereign in this place, that You would assume control here that Your will would be accomplished, manifest, in this place today. I pray, God, that You'd minister to Your people tonight, those present, those within the sound of my voice, that You would minister to them, that You would release faith into this assembly, to believe You for all things. I pray, God, that You would meet every need. Hallelujah, Jesus, that You would encourage and strengthen and edify according to the need, according to Your perfect will. And I pray, Lord Jesus, above all else, that Your great and precious name would be glorified here tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. That Your name would be lifted up and magnified in this place. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We worship You. Thank You, Jesus. For all that you have in store here tonight. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, He's a worthy God. He is a worthy God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I get excited when I get around you guys. Amen. Amen. This is awesome. It's awesome getting together with the people of God. I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I have alluded to, uh, in recent services, uh, the topic of, of tonight's message, uh, but... Uh, You'll probably get it as we go along. We have two scripture texts uh, for our message tonight. Romans 8.28. No one's heard that before. And John 10.10. There's another revelatory passage. Romans 8.28 and John 10.10. Probably quote both of them. Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And John 10.10 states that the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. 
Amen. I've entitled my message tonight, Don't Touch That Dial. Don't Touch That Dial. Amen. Those of you uh, who are not always sanctified and set apart uh, probably have heard that phrase before. Amen. Old-timey television. And we don't hear it on TV anymore that I'm aware of. But uh, the announcer or the, or the uh, whoever was, was talking on, on the TV would say, don't touch that dial. They don't want you to change the channel. They want you to stay here. At the time, before digital TV and before all of these subscription services, uh, we only had a few channels. Uh, the broadcasters were, would compete with these other, these few uh, channels, and they want you to stay there. Why? Yeah. Yeah, of course. The more people they had watching their channel, the, the more they could charge for advertising. Don't touch that dial. Don't switch over to another channel. Stay with us. Listen to us. When I was growing up, uh, we had about two and a half channels, well, three and a half channels. <clears throat> we had NBC, uh, CBS, kind of ABC, and PBS, of course. NBC was right there in Eau Claire, so that was, that was great reception. We could always get that. Uh, CBS, I think, was stationed out of here, La Crosse. And uh, so that wasn't always so good. But ABC, that was, the, that was in the Twin Cities. So every once in a while, we could kind of sort of get that. But it was really staticky. And then you'd have to use the horizontal and the vertical and, and move the antennas. And uh, sometimes you could kind of make things out. But the closer we were to the broadcast tower, the easier it was to get the get reception. The easier it was to, to hear what they were trying to say, see what was going on. And the farther away we were, of course, the harder it was. And eventually, of course, you get far enough away you can't get anything at all. Just static. There are two channels, spiritually speaking, that everyone listens to. Everyone. God's channel, of course, and Satan's channel. And the competition is fierce. Satan, of course, wants you to hang on to his channel. His doctrines. His idea of right and wrong. The pleasures of sin and the world. He wants you buying into that. The advertisements on his channel are awesome. He's got the world's best marketers, the world's best advertising. They're state-of-the-art. They look awesome. Back when they would advertise uh, cigarettes, you would never see someone in a hospital room with emphysema hooked up to an oxygen tank advertising Marlboros. Satan never shows you that. He shows you the, the, the tin veneer. He shows you the facade. He shows you the fun and the excitement. A bunch of young people hanging out. Man, that looks fun. I'd like to be a part of that group. Alcohol commercials. They don't show anyone 
getting a liver transplant. Yeah. Yeah, in jail for their fifth DUI. They don't show any of that. Alcoholics. Bunch of young people having a good time. Laughing, joking. Showing the, the best parts of it. That's how Satan advertises. He shows you what you can get right up front. But what he never shows you is the price. He never shows you the price. He'll never show you what it's going to cost. But that's not what advertisements do. We're trying to sell this to you after all. We're trying to sell you sin. We're trying to sell you rebellion. We're trying to sell you hatred and variance against God and against His, His laws. I remember watching uh, cartoons on Saturday morning. What kind of advertisements did they have on Saturday morning? Cereal. Toys. That's right. Absolutely. That's what they sold all for four and five hours, nonstop. That's right. No automobile advertisements. No home advertisements. No banks. No doctors on there. Nothing. Cereal and toys. Why is that? Because that's who's watching. That's who's watching right now. The parents aren't watching anything close to this time period. They're in bed. If we're being quiet. (laughs) But Satan always shows the the shiny tin surface, the pleasures, the rewards. He will never show you the price tag. We read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 through 11, Satan doing exactly this to the Lord Jesus Christ. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. I know you're hungry. You have the capability to do this. Just eat. Why would you do this? Just eat. Get it over with. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. That sounds pretty cool. That would advance his ministry a whole lot. People see that going on. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again. And this is it right here. The devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And the glory of them. And that's all he shows him. That was it. Is that all there is to see in this world? Absolutely not. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Seems easy enough. People do this all the time. People take them up on this all the time. I'll give you everything you want if you'll just serve me. Well, 
That sounds good. That sounds like a pretty sweet deal. But Satan's a liar. He's not going to follow through with that. Once he's got you, what compels him to follow through? Absolutely nothing. He's got you. He's got what he wants. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. It sounds like, at least to me, God was trying to get Jesus to switch the channel. But Jesus was having none of it. He was staying on God's channel. Now, God wants you tuning into His channel, His doctrines, His definition of right and wrong, His salvation, blessings, everlasting life. God has advertisements as well. His advertisements, though, they're truthful. They're direct. Sometimes, His advertisements are even hard to listen to. God shows the price tag right up front. He doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't hide anything. There's no fine print with God. He lays it all out. This is what you're getting into. Yes or no? But what He shows that what you'll receive for that price is absolutely correct. He doesn't misrepresent. He doesn't show you just the good parts. He shows you everything. Just read through the Bible. He shows everything, folks. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Mark ten seventeen through 23 kind of represents this. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus saith unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Understand, the reason he's continuing here is because of his love for him. Jesus loves this young man. And because of that, He's moving forward. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow Me. He was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked round about, saith unto His disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Satan will bargain all day long with you, as long as he can get a yes. He really doesn't care. As long as he can get a yes from you, he doesn't care if it'll cost one drink, one marriage, a job, a promotion. He doesn't care. He just wants the yes. But God, God doesn't deal. God doesn't make bargains. He presents us with the contract, with the covenant, 
and tells us to say yes or no. There's no bargaining with God. Well, yeah, that sounds really good, except could we change this over here? Could we modify this to say this? Then I'm good. So that's a no then. It's yes or no. God doesn't deal. God doesn't make bargains. It's yes or no. These two channels can be demonstrated in the account of Adam and Eve. If we look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. God had just created everything, created man. He's giving the one commandment to Adam. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. This is God's channel. Now understand, understand the, the context here. Adam was perfect, sinless. In the image and likeness of God he was made. He had perfect fellowship with God at this point. He was walking with Him in the cool of the day. Hearing His voice. Communing with Him. Freely. God gives Him this one commandment. Why? Because He needed a choice. He needed to choose to serve God. He needed to choose to love God. Choose to obey God. This free moral agency that God gave us, it needs to be exercised. It needs to be demonstrated with our choice. So God gives them a choice. <laughs> a really easy choice. A real simple choice. But of course, human beings being with the I don't know if maybe Adam was like this before he sinned. I don't know, but you tell someone you can't do something, that's all you want to do. That's all you can think about now. But in any case, he laid it all out. This is the basis of our relationship, Adam. You obey. You don't touch the fruit of the tree. You don't eat of the fruit of the tree. And we're good. Everything else is good. All of this continues. All of the blessing. All of the relationship. Everything. It continues. That's God's channel. That's a plant. I almost bumped into it. Genesis chapter 3, Satan's channel comes in. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? We know the account. We've heard it before. Satan introduces doubt. Satan introduces an alternative choice. God says this, but Satan is suggesting, well, I've got a third option here. I could do something else. 
woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Of course, that was misquoted. That wasn't what God said. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now he's directly contradicting the Word of God. Satan perceived something. She doesn't know God's Word. She doesn't know what God really said. And in fact, she doesn't have a a direct revelation from God. She received this from Adam. Eve didn't hear God say this. Adam told her this. She was the only other one left. So... So Satan comes in with the clothes. You won't die. Because God knows that if you eat the fruit of the tree, you'll be like God's. Your eyes will be opened and you'll know good and evil all by yourself. You'll be able to decide what's right and wrong. You can live the life the way you want to live it. Isn't that the lie that's being propagated today? Because it works, folks. It works. That really appeals to people. I want to decide. I want to make my decisions too. I'm a grown up. I can make these choices. I know what's right and wrong. And they start listening to Satan's channel. They start tuning into Satan's channel. And when you start tuning into Satan's channel, he doesn't stop there, he keeps you going. They'll start showing you the advertisements. And like a little kid sitting there on Saturday morning, i got to have that. I can't live without that. I need that G.I. Joe doll. I need that box of Wheaties. Look at the Kung Fu grip. (laughs) (laughs) But Satan, Satan knows, he knows what he's doing here. He's dumb in a lot of ways, but he's not dumb in this. He knows human nature. And once he's got you, you're not going to want to change that channel. You're going to want to stay tuned in. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God's. Knowing good and evil. Well, we got two channels here now. Which one did they tune into? Genesis 3 6 lets us know. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, I'll get back to that in a moment. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Listen to the internal dialogue going on here in Eve's mind. The justifications that she's making. The arguments that she's presenting herself. Why this is probably okay. Well, it's good for food. God doesn't want me to starve. It's pleasant to the eyes. Tree to be desired to make one wise. God doesn't want me dumb. He doesn't want me ignorant. 
this internal dialogue. I don't think Satan had anything to do with that. She was already rolling all on her own. I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this happen. So now I recognize it. Now I know what's going on when it happens. I get some stupid thought planted in my head. And I start thinking about it. And I start reasoning why this is okay. And this is what I'm talking about when I say you don't have dialogue with the enemy. You can't tune into both channels, folks. The set will only do one at a time. I know there are people that, <laughs> when the commercials are on, they'd switch to the other channel, see what's going on there. Commercials are probably done, then they'd switch back. <clears throat> we can't do that spiritually. It's one channel or the other. And when I start considering and thinking and reasoning and rationalizing what the enemy has just put into my brain, I'm tuning into someone else's channel and it ain't God's. I've switched the channel. I can't switch the channel, folks. When we're tuned into Satan's channel, we can't be tuned into God's channel. When I'm listening to Satan, what chance do I have of hearing God? Now, the reverse is also true. When I'm listening to God's channel, it's going to be hard for me to hear Satan's voice. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We can't do both. Once we've tuned into Satan's channel, we can't hear God now. We've separated ourselves from him. Adam and Eve's sin separated them physically and spiritually from God. We know that they died spiritually the moment that they made that choice. But what was their reaction? What was their physical reaction? They ran. They hid from the presence of God. They separated themselves from God. They didn't want God finding them. And this is, <laughs> this is a good example of why I say that the sinful man can't find truth on his own. Look at how dumb they became. I'm going to hide from God. He's not going to find me behind this tree. What a moron. You get stupid when you tune into Satan's channel. Can I say it like that? Is that all right? They switched channels. They were no longer tuned into God's channel. They became fools, like the Bible said. And because of this, they weren't listening to God anymore. They were listening to Satan. Obviously, they were listening to Satan because they disobeyed God's commandment. 
and went with what Satan said. That sounds like the better option. That sounds like a good choice to me. In my own human reasoning. I have no problem with human reasoning. As long as you've set apart God as the Lord first. As long as you've sanctified the Lord God in your heart first. Think God's thoughts after Him. God has given us an intellect. I think we should use it. But it needs to be sanctified. It needs to be submitted to the, the will of God. To the Word of God. When we're not in agreement with someone, we pull away. We see that in the case of Adam and Eve. They were no longer walking together in the cool of the day. They were no longer walking in the same direction. They were at odds now. They had different ideas of right and wrong. Different ideas of how they should live their lives. They decided they were going to live their lives apart from God. Apart from God's revelation of truth. His revelation of right and wrong. Folks, we need God to tell us what's right and wrong. We need the Word of God to inform us and to explain to us what is right and what is wrong. Because without these moorings, we'll take it way off in hoo-hoo land. We'll go, we'll go off in crazyville. We'll come up with all kinds of weird ideas. I start divorcing myself from Scripture that's where new revelations come from. I just got a new revelation. You don't need the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you need the Holy Ghost. Someone gets that kind of revelation, that ain't God's channel talking to them. They've switched channels. Amos 3 and 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? No, they can't. When I agree with God, when I submit myself to Him, when I obey His commandments, I'm walking together with Him and He with me. When I decide this isn't right, I'm going to do something else. I have left off walking with God now. I'm walking in a different direction than God is. That's a dangerous place to be. It's a very scary place to be. The two channels are in fierce competition with each other. And that is to say they are at war. These two channels are at war, one with the other. There, are no, there is no neutral ground in this war. You're going to choose one. Switzerland doesn't exist in the Spirit. Matthew 10, 34 and 36 says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What? Didn't he say live peaceably with all men? Isn't he the God of peace? Isn't peace one of the fruit of the Spirit? But not with the enemy. Not with this world. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. 
John 15, 18 and 19 says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Folks, I know people can be nice. I know they can be polite. But they're lost. They're lost, folks. If they're not in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, they need God. Now, is that who God puts a sword in our hands for? For people? Of course not. Absolutely not. We love people. We hate the enemy. We are at odds with this world system. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, the people of this world, He loves them, and so do we. But this world system, the kingdom of Satan, we hate it. And it's okay to do that, and it's okay to say that, because there is no neutral ground here. We hate sin. We hate the ways that Satan tries to propagate. Anything that stands against the knowledge of God, we are opposed to it. Not just a little bit, but every fiber of our being. There is no neutral ground here. There are two channels, and they're at odds, the one with the other. Is this too strong? Okay. We've got to hate sin. We've got to hate the, 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 the way this world is. We've got to hate the, the precepts and, the, and the, the, the doctrines of Satan. Anything that stands against the Word of God, we've got to abhor it. And we love truth. And we eschew evil. Because I promise you this, the enemy feels the same way. He hates God. He hates you. And he'll bargain and he'll sweet talk and he'll come up all smoozy. He ain't smoozy. He doesn't like you. He hates you. He knows exactly where this package he's trying to sell you will lead you. He knows where it's taking you. That's what He wants. He wants to destroy you. The world hates you. And we hate it. There's no neutral groan. Don't fraternize with it. Don't play around with it. Don't just kind of listen to it a little bit. Have nothing to do with it. Run from it. Flee it. Or fight it. First John 2, 15 and 17 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I don't want anything that's not from Him. I don't want anything that doesn't originate from God. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want to be Christ-like. I want those things. I don't want the works of the flesh. 
God delivered me from the works of the flesh. God delivered me from the world system and everything that I was wrapped up in out there. And He delivered you. Why would I ever want anything out there again when I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? When I've experienced freedom in Jesus Christ? Why would I want anything out there ever again? I can't think of one good reason. Satan in his kingdom hates God and everything he stands for. God in his kingdom hates Satan and everything he stands for. Exodus 23 and 27 says, I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Continuing in verse 32, Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Again, our relationship with the enemy is not good. It's not live and let live. We don't make any covenants with him. No agreements with him. He comes wanting to talk to us. We tell him to shut his mouth. I'm not listening to you. I'm not tuning into your channel. I'm already tuned into a channel, and that's where I'm staying. As Christians, we will from time to time go through hard situations. Jesus told us just a little bit ago. The world hates me. It's going to hate you too. We're going to go through hard situations. Not just because of that though. Because we have to. We have to go through hard situations. We have to go through difficult circumstances. Why? Because I've got to be purified. I've got to be refined. I want to be Christ-like, folks. I want to look like Him, speak like Him, think like Him, see people as He sees them. So God needs to beat and hammer out imperfections in our lives and make them perfect in Him. It's the only way to do it, folks. I can't... I can't throw my rucksack in the back of a truck and drive the 20 miles and call it good. Completed my ruck march. That would have been nice. But it didn't work that way. No, I had to use my LPCs. Everybody know what they are. My leather personnel carriers. That's what got me to 20 miles. <clears throat> but I needed to get strong. I needed my body to be strengthened. Because out on the battlefield, that truck isn't going to be anywhere around. These will be. Unless I step on a landmine. I'm going to be uh, humping it. And if I'm not strong enough to do that, what good am I? I'm no good to my fellow man. 
I'm no good to, to, I'm not moving the mission forward. I've got to get strong. And how I get strong is God puts me in a tough spot. And I'm forced to lean on Him. I'm forced to rely on Him. I learn dependence on Him. I learn to tap into His strength, His intellect, His wisdom, His direction. And let Him work these things out. My will gets broken a little bit. I'm not so stubborn and stiff-necked anymore. When I first started living for God, and I'd encounter these tough situations, I'd kick and moan and scream and complain. I'd do everything I could to get out of it, end it. I would. I'd go out of my way. Let's close this out quick. I didn't even think about God. I'm too busy trying to fix this. Well, eventually, I'd like to tell you that it was a quick process, but it wasn't. Eventually, I started figuring it out. Eventually, I started just submitting. Submitting to the process. Submitting to the hand of God. Growing through the situation. Letting God teach me things. Take things out. Put things in. It's a whole lot easier. A whole lot quicker. That's what they're there for in the first place. I need to get strong spiritually. The self-will, the stubbornness, all kinds of other things that I had to deal with, they had to go. I can't serve God in my own will. I can't serve Him in my own strength. I just study the Scriptures enough, memorize enough Scriptures, I'll get good enough, God will really use me. Memorize the Scriptures. Study it out. But not for the purpose of that. Draw close to God. Pray, fast, do all of those things. But not for the purpose of getting good enough. God has declared you to be worthy. God has declared you to be holy and righteous. You don't get good to get God. You get God to get good. Right? Alright. We've got to learn to rely on Him. We've got to get to the place where He can work freely through us. Speak freely through us. I'm not having to figure out all the time. Well, if this guy comes to talk to me about this, what am I going to say? You need to study generally, okay? Absolutely. Continue studying. Continue learning and growing. But when you're doing that generally, God will help you in the specific. Someone gives you a weird question. And something you read just pops into your mind. Something you heard preached just pops into your mind. It's incredible. It's amazing. 
when we submit ourselves to God and when we're following after Him, we desire to serve and to please Him with our lives. Truly, God works through us miraculously, supernaturally. And it's the best thing in the world. I love it when that happens. God removes impurities in us and we come out a vessel for the finer. But that means that these things are necessary. I'll take it a step further. That means that these things are good. They're good. All things work together for good. Everything works together for good. Every circumstance, every situation, every test and trial, every loss, every everything works together for good. So how ought we look at these things? Well, the right answer, of course, is we should be excited. Because God's going to perfect me a little bit more. I'm going to learn something that's that I'm going to need here pretty soon, probably. God's getting me ready for something. And that ought to excite us. Again, it's perspective. It's choice. How am I looking at these things? Nobody in their natural state likes discomfort. Nobody. But discomfort is necessary. Get used to discomfort. Endure hardness. These things are necessary and they're good. And there's something to look forward to. Because at the other end of these things, there lies a blessing waiting for us. There's always a blessing on the other side of these. But we've got to go through the trial first. There are two channels that cover these events. Which one you listen to will determine how you view and think about these trials. If you're tuned into Satan's channel, this is what you're going to start thinking and start saying. This is too hard. Why me? Better yet, why not him? Why now? Why did it have to happen now? Of all times. This is just too much to bear. God must be disappointed in me. God must not love me. Look what He's allowing to happen to me. Why do we struggle with tests and trials? I know why I struggled with them. Our flesh, our carnal nature loves easy street. We love being in the rear with the gear. Unicorns and rainbows. Blessings. Let's talk about the blessings of God. Let's just talk about the love of Jesus. Presence of God. His favor. Can we can we talk about that for a while? I'll talk about that all day long with you. Because it's all true. His blessings have overwhelmed me. 
One guy said, and I love it, I'm buried under the avalanche of his blessings. I love that. How do we define the favor of God? How do we define favor? How do we define love? How do we know when someone loves us? Because they buy me presents. That's how I know. What's the favor of God? When He blesses me. When He does things that I like. That's how I know that people love me. Well, that's because we're looking at these things from Satan's point of view. Not God's. God views these things a whole lot different, folks. He views them as good, as necessary. God's channel. If we're listening to God's channel during a test or a trial, we're going to say these things. Job 23 and 10. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Romans 8.28, we've already read. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The blessing at the other end of the trial. Matthew five eleven through 12 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And we're not talking about being made fun of here, folks. That's not the kind of persecution Jesus is talking about here. That is a form of persecution. But he's talking about quite a bit worse. When you're in prison and you're being tortured, starved, rejoice, and be exceeding glad. Why? Because after the trial is ended, the blessing ensues. Great is your reward in heaven. James 1, 2-4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Amen. If I can sum that up, these diverse temptations perfect us. They perfect us. They burn out all the impurities, all the imperfections. God loves you enough to perfect you. And everything that happens to me is good. One of the things one of the good things that happens during these tests and trials is we receive we receive from the Lord something important. We receive peace, we receive love, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. But I I must first receive something before I'm able to give something. Does that make sense? I can't give you 20 bucks until someone first gives me 20 bucks. 
because there's nothing in there right now. I have some in the account. So where do we receive these things? In the tests and trials. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We receive the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These things are not natural in us. 1 John 4.19 says we love Him because He first loved us. This is not natural in us. We're not born with the fruit of the Spirit. We're born again. We get the fruit of the Spirit. But as a small child, my dad were here, I'm sure he would testify, I did not demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, neither did you. <laughs> so I've got to receive them. I've got to receive love before I can give love. I don't have love. Not agape love, Brother DeMuth. I don't have that inherently. I can love you if you love me. I can love you if you buy me things. Do nice things for me. Then I'll love you. Is that the love we're talking about, though? No, I hope not. God's love is way bigger than that. God's love doesn't need to be reciprocated. God loved me when I hated Him. That's the kind of love we're talking about. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Satan's channel speaks only death. That's all you're going to hear on Satan's channel is death. I have that already inherently. Without God, I already got that. Thank you, thank you very much. I don't need any more. I'm already bitter. I can already get angry. I can already hate them that hate me. I can do that all on my own. I can hate, backbite, spread rumors, lie about someone. I can do all that naturally. I don't need to receive anything more to speak death into someone's life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. God would like me to speak life, though. Okay, well, this is something I don't have naturally. I don't have life abundantly. I don't have everlasting life. Not without God. Before I came to the Lord, I didn't have everlasting life. I had everlasting death. But God gave me everlasting life. I've got to first receive this from the only one that has it. God. He's the only one that possesses it. He's the only one that can give it. He's the only one that can take it away. I can't speak life until I first receive life. I can't give love to anyone until I first receive love from the only one who has it. That's God. I can't demonstrate any of the fruit of the Spirit of myself. They come from God. They come from the Spirit. The Spirit of God. They're kind of like essential amino acids. You know what those are? Amino acids, building blocks of protein. Uh, there are some amino acids that the body doesn't produce all on its own. A lot of them the body produces on its own, but some it can't. Those are called essential amino acids. You've got to 
That's part of your diet. You gotta you gotta get those as part of your diet. From what we're ingesting. So how do we get these essential amino acids spiritually? It comes from our diet, right? That's right. What's our diet? What are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we ingesting? What are we bringing inside of us? Amen. In conclusion, John 10.10 again says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Satan brings death and destruction into our lives. God brings abundant life into our lives. He gives to us blessing and power and healing and victory and salvation and deliverance and provision. What's your need? God's got it. God can take care of it. Stay away from Satan's channel. Don't go anywhere, anywhere near Satan's channel. Block it off. Do whatever you need to do. Punch a hole through that thing. Stay tuned into God's channel. And don't ever touch that dial. Let's all stand. Jesus, we're so thankful for You. We're so thankful, Thou Most High God, that when we tune into Your channel, when we listen to Your voice, when we read Your Word, when we're tuned into what You're saying and doing and wanting done, the will of God, the plan of God for our lives, You pronounce blessing. You give power and authority. We receive the love and mercy and grace and compassion of God. Daily fellowship with You. We receive everything we have need of, everything we could ever need in You. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to stay tuned into You, Lord, to listen only to Your voice, to listen only to God's Word. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that when the enemy comes knocking, we'll send him packing, that we will not engage, we will not discuss, we will not reason, but we will just shut him down and tell him to move on. We're tuned into You. We're listening to You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless Your people, I pray today. Bless those within the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, that uh, You would protect them. Go with them their separate ways. Bring us back to Your place, Your house, at the day appointed. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. You are dismissed.